welcome to the Run Strong Podcast, episode 81. Hello, Robert. Hello, Thomas. Fresh off of a cruisy track Tuesday. Did we took it fairly relaxed today? Conversational pace, wasn't it? There was a definite air of uh, all the coaches were just relaxing. <laughs> Why is that? I wonder. Something may be happening Thursday night. Yes. Maybe. I'm having the reverse taper of my lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> and you are thinking up of more things that you can do to make the challenge harder, I think. We're adding things on at the end, yeah, to make it slightly longer. <laughs> yeah, but the, so what we're doing, the coaches are going to do Into the Darkness 50-50-50. So 50K bike, 50K run, 50K bike, because the clients will do it the week after, and we always like to do it. We need to set that example, don't we? Mm-hmm. And it's, it's actually in our contract, I believe. That's the rumor. Yeah. No, no, there is, there is something in there. Yes, the, um, the, I think it's perfect. Like I'm, I chatted to, to Marcus before we told you guys about it, but I said, you know, I think a week before we should be doing it normally. Mm-hmm. Well, past years, we've done it at the same time, but we have so many clients doing it now. I think it's actually a better experience for us to just be there supporting them. But it obviously means that we have to get it done. So we're doing it the week prior. And yeah, I mean, I can talk certainly for myself here. I am not ready for running 50K. But, and, and you know, some clients won't be because training never goes exactly the plan. Mm. Um, but if it means that I can, you know, if I have to walk half of it or more, but still get it done, then I will. And I think that's the kind of example we should be setting. So that's what we're doing. I, actually, yeah, I put... The other day, it's one of my favorite events. I say it's one of it's, well, it's not one of my favorite events. It's one, well, it is in the sense that it's very, very manageable. And there will be some people that will find it so, so easy, but it's not those people that I look up to at the end. It's the people that find it really, really difficult and challenging and nothing goes to plan. Those are the people I'm excited to see mm-hmm. because they come out the other side. There's so much more from it, I think. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I agree 100%. And actually... One of my clients who did the best last year went in with zero expectation, was undertrained, but just had a good time. And that is the key to this event is you just got to have a good time. If you put pressure on it like you would with a race or any other event that you've signed up for, paid money for, traveled for, you won't have a good time. If you just go, all right, I'm going to have a night out under the stars, you're in for a good one. And people have been asking me because all the, all the clients know that we're doing it and they've said, so uh, what's, what's your plans? Is it going to be a race? Are you going to run together? Or what, what, you know, what, what's happening? I'm like, no, no, we're all going to, we've all said we're going to take it easy. But we, <laughs> we know as soon as we start cycling, it's going to get faster and faster. And then the run's going <laughs> to... Mate, on the bike is where I'm going to murder people. The running is where I'm going to need to relax. But yeah, the, the bike will be the most fun for sure. I've got my game plan for the bike. Just to try Try and do as little little work as possible and just sit at the back. Perfect. It's exactly what I'm expecting from you, and it's the exact tactics I've planned for. (laughs) So nobody's going to do any work. We're just going to we're going to be rotating backwards as fast as possible. (laughs) Could be. Could be. Actually, I had to buy some new bike lights because mine have broken. So I got some off Amazon. Didn't read the description properly, and so it arrived. And the front bike light's got this cable that attaches to a button. I thought, oh, this, this must be another way to turn the bike light on. 
pushed it. It's the loudest rape alarm I've ever heard in my life. Well, that's to make no, it the Orinx alarm. I've no idea why it's on the bike, but God, it's loud. Wow, well, I look forward to pressing that button consistently the whole time I'm riding with you. I'm going to use that a lot. <laughs> but only you know this, so we'll keep that a secret. We'll try and see if we can knock Skinny off his bike in fear. <laughs> It'll blow him off, mate, just the sound waves. <laughs> awesome. We Today we have an old guest on. Well, she's mm. not old, but she's a guest, a former guest, who was actually a former client, uh, used to live over here in Dubai, with us you actually knew her before i did mate i believe you used to go trail running um, yes zoe you and heidi yep and uh and then zoe was one of the originals of project dxb project dxb intake number one um, zoe was involved there and came on and was always very much more interested in running just more from a a well-being and, and mental standpoint it wasn't just there to run she was there to be social she was there to help other people and that's why she's remained such good friends of the show i think and, and friends of ours because she's looking for that little bit extra that some people miss every now and then with an endurance sport so zoe's actually starting to shape she's going to tell us a bit more now but she's starting to shape her career around well-being and uh, she's a teacher um but is focusing a lot more on children's mental health as well as physical health and I think it was a great or is a great time to bring it back onto the show just to remind us a few tips and tricks maybe what to look for in yourself what to look for in other people just to make sure that you're being the best friend not only to yourself but to others as well and how the power of running can help us to do that so without further ado we will do all our plugs at the end of the show but uh, we will get straight into the interview with Zoe Van Mill. Hey Zoe. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. Sorry. I just wanted to use this. We're just you. saying how uh, how cold you look over there in New Zealand. Yes, I was just um, explaining that the winds have turned and they're coming from the south, and it's getting very cold now. So nice and rugged up, much to my despise. I do miss the heat of the desert, that's for sure. Really, I was yeah, I was thinking that. Are you missing it, or is it a case of you've just forgotten how hot the summer is? No, hundred percent. I just miss it. I, uh, Ruben and I were talking the other day and saying how much we just miss the warmth all the time, and that the heat didn't really affect us that much. So <laughs> we you do always miss travelled it. every summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe also that was a good point. <laughs> It's one of those things yeah. whenever whenever I think, oh, we'll move back somewhere that's nice and cold, and then you go back in the summer and realize how cold it is in their yeah. summer, you're like, oh, maybe not, no. <laughs> I mean, that was just like, we had a race on this weekend, and it was a marathon, a half marathon, and a 10K, and the amount of people that were collapsed on the course and at the finish line because they were dehydrated, I was just like, what are you guys up to? It's, it's, not even hot. Why are you? Why are you collapsing? <laughs> so it's Brilliant. just for me. I'm like, you guys don't even know what heat is. <laughs> <laughs> Zoe, yeah. we last had you on the show uh, last year, March time, and you were you came on to talk about New Zealand's most iconic multi-sport event, which was the Coast to Coast, which uh, you had an amazing block of training for. We talked all about how you learned to ride your bike, which included a an old heavy. What do we call the dinosaur, dinosaur. bike and, uh, and the hill of Jebel Jace? 
Yeah. Um, we chatted about the hardest points of that and, and how you sort of taught yourself to have a, a positive mindset during all that training and things. How has it been post-event? Obviously, we've spoken a little bit because we did a bit more coaching together, but how has it been not having such a big event to aim for? Obviously, New Zealand's handled the coronavirus pandemic extremely well. Um, yeah. But you've not had something massive to aim for, which you normally would have. Tell us a bit, how have you been? What's How's training look like? What have you been up to? Yeah, I, I suppose from that event, I did take, I would say I probably took a good, I think I said it on the podcast too. I think I took a good month or two to actually get over that kind of like post race, post um, event blues. And it wasn't just from the race or the event. It was more from all of the training that I'd been doing. And then suddenly I kind of just slowed it all down. Um, so that took a bit of getting used to. And then I kind of picked it back up again because I was looking at, uh, I think I was looking at a half, couple of half runs towards the end of that year. So that kind of helped me channel my energy a little bit into something different again. But I, I definitely did miss the diversity of the trainings that I was doing for Coast to Coast um, rather than just running. Uh, so I, And I still miss that. So I get out on the bike every now and then, but it's not like solid proper training. It's more just going for a pedal with my dad. So it is very different and it is hard to accept it. I'd quite like to just be doing that whole block of training every year if I could or every day because I thoroughly enjoyed it <laughs> um but in some ways it was also quite selfish like it was a lot of time um needed to do that and that's why I did it at that point in time because I knew I'd be um able to achieve that within that year and I knew that coming back to New Zealand it wouldn't be as easy to fit that training in with the time restraints that you kind of have here in New Zealand in regards to work and um, and uh, weather and things like that, which you kind of use as excuses, I suppose, or um, as things that happen in life as well. Yeah. So I'm going to come back to one word that you mentioned during that sentence then. But first, what you last time you were on, you were looking at while you were saying towards you to move a little bit more into the well-being um, mm. part of school because you're, you're a school teacher. Um, but you were you're interested in in setting up, which I think is such a good thing, more of a, a well-being type curriculum for the kids. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Rob used to be you used to be a teacher as well. Mm -hmm. How and you you are doing that now, Zoe, successfully. I think you yeah. just recently got promoted to head of well-being at your school. Yeah. What differences are you seeing? And like Rob, you might say, you know, could you see an opening for this sort of thing when you were teaching? And Zoe. Have you seen that opening and, and how are you filling in the gaps now um, of well-being for children in school? Yeah, what did you see, Rob? And then I can add to it. Um, well, whenever I started, it, was, it wasn't really integrated fully into the curriculum. There were dribs and drabs and people were starting to put it in. But I think there's still, there's still, it's, on one hand, it was a big focus on trying to implement well-being. But then on the other hand, there was a huge push on getting kids to do all these extra things, which in my eyes just took away from their well-being. to get them to do as many sports as possible, whether they're super early in the morning, super early or super late at night, use their lunch times for revision classes instead of letting them relax after school revision classes. You know, there was so much pressure on them to, to achieve. I don't know whether that's just Dubai or globally. Um, it just seemed very counterintuitive to then 
claim that the school had well-being initiatives in place you know what I mean yeah yeah and I think early on when there's initiative initiatives like that to bring into a curriculum it does seem quite tokenistic it does mm. seem like oh you're just throwing that in there because you know you need to start focusing on it and I suppose that's just the bottom line of it and that's it's got to start somewhere and it does feel like that until you can start building those blocks within the school culture and within um, teacher practice and student learning and outcomes from that. Um, I think you're bang on the money there though with parents uh, really and, and teachers as well and schools really uh, pushing kids to do way more than they should be doing. I mean we've got kids at our school, I was talking to a parent the other day and she has a kid, do one of her boys is doing three lots of winter sport He's doing like basketball. Um, I think he's doing rugby and sevens or something like rugby sevens. So three winter codes. And it's just ridiculous. I'm like, do you have anything to do outside of that? Does your kid get a break? Do they have downtime? Um, and also, are they fueling enough to support them in that? Because I, I mean, out of anyone, these kind of kids are the other ones that are growing the most within um, their age brackets so it is concerning and I think um, bringing this into schools is helping students learn what balance in life should look like um, mm -hmm. and our hope is that that then seeps out into the community so their kids the kids go home and say this is what we've learned about uh, well-being today we've learned how to um, control anxious thoughts we've learned um, strategies on how to <clears throat> overcome um, something happening in the classroom so hopefully they're going home and talking about it and that's kind of that next building block um, in that phase of school learning where you can kind of build on their the kids knowledge of well-being and hopefully pass it on to the parents as well so yeah. like almost like a planted question for me then but I didn't know what the answer was going to be but the reason I asked it was because you you said you had such a big goal you know on your plate and then you've you enjoyed a little bit of time afterwards of, of pottering about and things and enjoying a ride with your dad, but now you're ready to, to sort of, you missed that training, you're ready to get back into it. And that's, I think what we see within um, schools and, and children as well is they like, okay, this year's really important. So they, they go all in for that year and then they do their summer break, but they've got to keep playing sports through that if they're into that or they, you know, they don't get much downtime. And then the following year, okay, this year is also really important. So you need to go into that. Yeah. And, it's like you never really get that break, that downtime, which I see, and I'm sure Rob does in a lot of our um, athletes who are just constantly, they finish the event and they're like, okay, what's next? And they never yeah. give themselves that downtime or even a little bit of downtime after a really hard training block. They're like, oh yeah, I can't rest. I need to move on to the next thing. And it's obviously a, a fundamental thing that's drilled into us from an early age of, if you're not doing something, you're not being productive, you're not moving yeah. forward. And that's yeah, a, or you're a difficult one to get your head around yeah yeah and I think people think being busy and and going for goals means that they're successful but it just brings a whole lot of fatigue and at some point in their lives or some point in the year or some point in their month they're going to crash and they're going to hit that fatigue wall and go oh why am I so tired or why am I so emotionally drained or why am I so physically drained and it's like well you you haven't balanced your well-being out so really like our well-being um, as a model is a whole lot of different facets put together 
and it's not just that physical um, side of things, um, which you guys obviously touch on a lot within your um, jobs, um, but it's also the mental emotional side of it, which you probably also touch on quite a lot with your athletes. Um, but then also the social side, and you can even look at the spiritual side of it. And the spiritual side of it doesn't need to be religious per se, but it does come into that, that part. But yeah, there's kind of four aspects to our well-being and how we can have optimal well-being and be balanced in those areas. And it is really important to um, go, right, okay, I am doing too much physical exercise here. I can have a break and I can fill my cup by doing a few more social events in this time because you're not doing as much training. So, I mean, as a teacher, you want to try and teach your kids that. And that's what we're trying to do through a uh, more specific wellbeing curriculum. Um, but teaching adults that is, yeah, just trying to um, get them to understand that they're multifaceted and that we need to fill our cups in different ways. Yeah. How would how would you get somebody to identify then that they they're putting too much, let's say, too much emphasis on work or training and not enough of the other elements? Like they're not paying enough attention to their mental health or their maybe it could be they're not paying enough attention to their physical health and they're paying too much to their mental health. How do you get them to see that they're filling too much yeah. in one cup? I mean. Uh for you guys, it comes from discussions with your athletes and knowing them and knowing, okay, right, um, this person, I know you've been doing X, Y, Z. What have you been doing in your other areas of your life that are helping you feel good and happy and enjoy life? Um, but apart from like a nice conversation like that between trainer and um, client, I suppose a really good one is actually what um, Heidi does is she has that wheel um, she's got this wheel and it's probably got like nine different things on it and it uh, gets the, you to order. yeah the circle of life yeah circle of life yeah that's great and it just gets people to sit down and actually look okay well uh, you know with physical I'm probably like a six but with anything to do um, with family I'm a two like I haven't given my family enough time so it kind of gets them to see it um, visually on a piece of paper and then go oh well okay I need to calm this down to balance this out and you you have to do that as a human like weekly if not monthly to kind of just you have to always you're always readjusting yourself and making sure that you're um in the spaces that you need to be and how you can help yourself and you're always going to be out of balance one way or another but it's just about we decide to put your energy and what's worth it at that point in time I go back a step from there, Zoe. What some people think that they're on the right track, but they're, you know, they would never dream of doing like the circle of life stuff or self reflection things. Mm. How can you, someone listening now that, that wouldn't be doing that, how can they identify in themselves that they maybe need to start doing that? And just even a, a good place to begin is, is actually looking at the different areas of life and then realizing that say training isn't life there's other areas to it what might be some some habits people do or you know maybe not the right or wrong thing is is up for debate but how do you catch yourself and then maybe recognize oh actually i need to do this because something isn't quite right mm, i think um it takes a lot for an adult to be an effective self-reflector um 
it takes a lot for us to understand ourselves. Um, and quite often we don't want to, <laughs> like we choose to ignore that side of us. Um, mm. and, it, and we do choose to channel all our energy into physical exercise. And that's kind of our, we think that that's our one release to help our mm. stress, um, to help us release our stress. And so that's all I'm going to do. Um, but as someone who probably, yeah, recognizes that this might be them, but is not sure what to do next. I suppose, like you said, everyone's different. You can do things like write down what you are doing and what you're doing a lot of, and then also write down some things that you're not doing that you wish you could do. So um, for example, for me at the moment, I've got quite a lot of commitments um, every day of the week after school but I've made it a rule for myself that I don't overcommit myself on the weekends because I want to leave that time for relaxing or socializing, which will kind of help me relax in a different way as well. Um, so you could write it down that way. You could talk to people. Quite often the people that you live with are the people that know you the best. So say, hey, I know that I've been really busy doing all of my training. Um, what's something that I could improve on because I know that I've been letting the housework go or I know I haven't done as much with the kids. So what would you like from me um, to help you or what can I, what do you think I can do to be better? So you can always talk to the people you live with or your peer, your, your um, partners and things like that. Yeah. Um, what about any like internal thoughts that might need a little bit more looking into? Yeah. I think that comes down to kind of like um, going into that whole idea of what your why is and really thinking to yourself, why are you taking these actions? Why are you thinking these thoughts? Are these thoughts beneficial to your mental health? Are they beneficial to the people around you? Are they beneficial to the, your actions because you're gonna act on your thoughts? Um, and from there go, well, actually, no, this thought about um, me not being fast enough to run this time or me not being dedicated enough to do this training or anything like that, um, you probably need to pull yourself up there and actually have a rethink of it and just think about what you could do differently from there. Um, with those negative thoughts, it's all about trying to turn it, turn it around. And you guys use it quite a lot, that whole control the controllables. Um, and that's a really big thing um, that people can do to kind of flip their thoughts is go, okay, this is my negative thought. How can I make it a positive one? And when you instantly make it a positive one, it's just like the smiling when you're exercising is tricking your brain into thinking, oh, actually, I can get a positive experience from this situation. Um, but it, it, that does involve you thinking about one thought and trying to make that a positive one. So it is a lot of reflection and you probably need a bit of space somewhere by yourself to, to do that um, where you're not going to get interrupted. Um, a beach or a room where no one's going to come in anything like that, the mountains. Yeah. Um, and a, yeah, you gotta give yourself that time. I think a lot of people don't give themselves that, that alone time. And I think it's really important for us to, to do that um, and not 
see it as selfish because the only way we can improve is by reflecting on ourselves. And if we can't do that in a quiet space that our, that our head needs and our thoughts need, then we're not going to do it very well. I remember, really sorry, I, I remember how impacted I was. This is back when I was teaching of the conversations mm -hmm. that would go on in the staff room. And I found myself becoming very, very negative because the conversations around me were always so negative. So people would gossip about each other. They would, you know, moan about systems that they couldn't fix. They'd moan about kids. And then I'd find myself jumping into those conversations and it wasn't making me happy. So I, I almost had to take myself out of those scenarios, go and have lunch on my own in my room. Um, mm. Just, and it, it made me so much happier to not be around the negativity. Um, yeah. But it took, it took me a while to, if you like, realize that in the first instance that that was happening and how impactful mm -hmm. it was to me. Yep, and I, I don't think people can tell you what you're doing. Mm. As adults, we don't want to hear that. You, there's a lot of, um, with all of this well-being stuff, <laughs> um, for lack of a better word, um, it is all very much you have to recognize what's happening. So yeah, you're right. Um, schools are probably some of the worst environments for that <laughs> in regards to whinging and moaning and um, not being able to fix anything in regards to the system or not doing anything about it. Um, and yeah, I think you can also, I think removing yourself is a great idea. And I've definitely done that in social contexts, friendship groups, um, professional environments. You do have to do that to for to kind of um, keep your thoughts and your actions safe because you do find that you do fall into that social trap a little bit. Um, but I think another thing to do because we are, we can and we are adults is actually talk to those people about it and say, hey, I just feel like you're kind of being quite negative about this. Um, what can I do to help you fix it? And if there's nothing you can do to help them fix it, then go then, is there a point complaining about it? Because you're just making it worse for yourself and everyone else. <laughs> and you would say that in the nicest way possible. Um, but it is something that I think we should be able to do better. And I think our lines of communication in professional settings can be improved greatly, um, but it takes courage. And it takes someone being able to not care if those people then don't like them for saying it. I think that's, yeah. with, you know, obviously, your, your role is well-being within children but the, a lot of the stuff carries over to the adults and as we know children are like sponges they will just copy exactly what the adult that they look up to is doing or say the what adult they spend the most time with which can be teachers you know in the in the weekday so really you know well-being we know starts from a very early age but it should start from the people who are up as sort of leaders or examples setting the correct examples yeah, and it happens firstly in the living room and then in the classroom. Right, so at home is the most important. Just as important, if not more. Um, a fact came out um, the other day with a guy that was talking to us about digital safety within schools and digital safety at, for students and digital safety um, for um, adults as well and as teachers, and as fact is, is that we only teach 11% of the year. If you wow. take away 
yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's huge. 11% of the year there, Rob, if you, um, you like your facts and, and um, numbers there, we only teach 11% of the year. So all those other, you know, the break, take away the break times, the, the after school, the getting ready and everything like that. We don't have that much time with these kids or as much as you think you do. No. It happens a lot more in the living room as well, or in the house. So you do need to have that bridge between school and home um, to encourage all of that with the kids. Yeah. And it's even more important that 11% you do spend, or, or even a parent you know, that gets even two hours of actual contact time in the evening with, um, with their mm. child, it should be nothing but positive. You know, yes. it's, it's a small chance because a lot of the other time they're on their phone, they're looking at, you know, celebrities or other people that they follow or their friends and what they're doing and the actual exposure to something that you can do with making a difference is, well, that, that's amazing, 11%. But I reckon it's not as much as what parents think either in terms of how, how many times their child's actually focused on them and what they're doing. Mm. Yeah. And I think a lot of it then comes from, from both ends. A lot of it is lead by example. And I believe even in, in the, the digital world of Instagram and TikTok um, and places like that is that there should be more people on there leading by example to kind of filter out all the other crap that those kids are exposed to. Mm. And you're not going to be able to stop them seeing things so you may as well infiltrate them with positive yeah. stuff. So, and I'm actually quite impressed by this. I was talking to a child the other day about, it's probably like three weeks ago about TikTok. And I was like, oh yeah, do you learn anything on TikTok? And she goes, yep. I learn how to sing certain songs, which is cool because that's one of her passions. Um, I learn how to dance. And um, do you know one fact actually? And I said, no, what, what's the fact? What have you learned? And she said, I learned that um, I should um, drink more water in the day because it hydrates me and it allows me to think better during the day. And I was like, brilliant. Thank you to talk for, for, <laughs> for teaching this child this thing. But there are things on there that the kids are learning and they are positive things. So I think we just need to actually get out there and, and show them more of that. Yeah. What can some adults learn from what you're teaching to your kids around social media in terms of looking after their well-being? Um, the, this guy that talked to us, he's really um, probably quite world-renowned. His name's John Parsons, and he talked about uh, turning the internet off at 7 p.m. Mm. So... I mean, we do things as adults on our phones. Um, like I have a timer that turns all my media off. I think I know you do this too, Tom, at a certain time. And I don't receive anything unless I go in and go ignore time limit. <laughs> so it kind of gives you that stoppage. So for, for me, That's from all day 30... for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't have any notifications on. <laughs> yeah neither and it's life-changing yeah, I only did that at the start of this year I took all my notifications off and I just don't even I'm not even tempted to touch it because you no. can't see the notifications so it's not even egging you into that into that zone I'm, um, I'm also the same it's fantastic yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
and it is it's, it is actually life changing for someone who sits there and can scroll through Instagram very easily. Mm. Um, but we also need to do that with our kids. So one way is he said turn the whole internet off at seven pm and have some family time. So many um, parents let their kids have devices in their bedroom. Why? Mm. Yeah. You don't know what they're looking at. You have no control over what they're going into if they have access to the internet. There's no guidance there. You can put parental controls on things, but kids can get around that really easily. They're, they're living in this digital world. Um, so I think just putting really big, um, not restrictions, but just talking to your kids about how we can make sure that we're balancing ourselves out and only have X amount of screen time and devices stay out of the bedroom and internet's off at seven and things like that. I mean, you can still, as an adult, go on your phone and watch Netflix if you really want to. Um, but that's just a good rule of thumb for parents if they are kind of struggling in that, in that zone. Um, the other thing that he talked about was um, getting kids to put someone that they know um, very well um, who is very close to them in their display pic. So if it's a 13 year old girl, she's got a picture of her and her grandma as her display picture, because it kind of shows um, other people that are on the internet that there's someone with that kid that's close to them. It kind of gives, um, shows the sense of there's a guardian with them, which is an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah, all those sort of things just to help the kids um, and help them feel safe. And it's just talking to them openly about it. Yeah. The, um, the effect of social media on, on not just kids, but adults is incredible. The other, other side of it is, it, it's also, I guess, social media, but it's more like um, activity tracking. So like Strava, yeah. um, other things that show your you know, exercise and what you've done. And like, that's all based on, like some people literally will ride, say an extra like 900 meters just to hit like 50k to show that they've done it on Strava or something like that yeah. is that maybe another habit you could pick up on within yourself or you could see in other people yeah. that shows you that hang on a minute maybe you're caring a little bit too much about what the internet's mm. thinking and not looking after yourself first for sure I mean I injured myself running fast down a hill because I wanted to get an FKT but <laughs> and I was injured for six months because of it because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with it. So yes, I think it does have a big effect. And I think um, we do need to put things into perspective a little bit and go, right, what, what are my relationships like in real life compared to what your relationships are to people and, and things um, in the digital sphere and actually really assess, do I need to spend X amount of time scrolling through everyone's Strava, liking their exercises and going, oh, they did that fast. Like, is that worth your time? Is it worth yourself compa comparing to someone else that's totally different, that's on a totally different training schedule, um, that's at a different um, training phase as you? What's the point? Mm. Um, it just creates goes back to that thing that you brought up before like just creates those negative thoughts in your head and you don't think you're good enough or you don't think you're fast enough and you do want to go out there and overtrain or you overthink about it so um it's just recognizing that and stopping yourself because you are in control of your thoughts and yeah. people 
people need to realize that they're in control of their thoughts. Um, with a lot of um, kind of mental illnesses, for lack of a better word there, um, things like depression, anxiety, and, and so on, um, a, lot of, a lot of what happens with them is that um, they don't think that um, they can do certain things. They've got like this learned helplessness about them. And you see it a lot in kids because parents do quite a lot for their kids. Um, I, you seem to say that every year when you get a new lot of kids come in, you feel like they're, they're less in the know and that their parents do way more for them than they should. Um, and it all comes down to this learned helplessness and this idea that they can't control the outcome. But what, what we can do is actually we can control the outcome of most things. And it does start with your thoughts and moves into your actions and your emotions from there and your interactions within people. Mm. Yeah. Something you've been through is a run injury lately. And a lot of the way some people deal with their own thoughts is by going for a, a run, going, you know, this morning we had track Tuesday. Um, yeah. and I, I know I've got one client who is literally showing up just because she's around other people and it's a nice environment for her to be in. She's got no mm. performance targets at the moment whatsoever. It's she's nearly just there for her mental health. Yeah, but what amazing. happens when an injury comes around and mm. you can't run and you, you feel bad for showing up to a run club when everyone else is running and how, what's some advice of dealing with, with that? If running's become your safety net and it's taken away, how can we keep having something as a safety net? Yeah, and I think this is where um, our issue does lie as athletes is that we we do associate physical activity with um, improved mental health within ourselves. And um, yes, it does do that. Exercising does do that with um, for a variety of reasons that are proven scientifically, but it's not the only way that we can um, help our mental space. Um, so it's it's kind of knowing that you can do something else that will help you relax or that will help you um, clear your mind a little bit. So for me, when I was, I was injured for six months and I did continue running a bit, but I couldn't do that much. So for me, it was like, cool, I get to do one run this week because that's all I can handle. When am I going to do that um, to help me feel the best? And then what am I gonna do for the rest of the week that's going to help me feel better as a person? So I then moved from that kind of physical sphere that I was talking about earlier into more of um, the social aspect. So I spent more time with people. I um, went and saw family a little bit more. I also then spent time by myself and watching Netflix, reading books. Like I've, I've read so many books this year because I couldn't run as much. <laughs> I had more time to read books. So it's just channeling your energy into the things that you like and the things that you love and the things that um, make you feel passionate um, and yeah, make you feel like you're doing something that um, helps your, your mental space there. So some people go into painting or they might draw. Um, they might just be able to go for a walk with a friend or family member and that's just going to be enough so still using that fresh air but using it a diff in a different way going for mm -hmm. a bike instead of a run if they can move that way um but just knowing that there are other things that you can do 
Um, and that mm. physical activity isn't the be all and end all of fixing your mental space. That's yeah. only one part of it. I remember yeah. actually when Marcus got injured after his uh, bike crash, he obviously said to go from where he was in the hospital bed to try and visualize running ultras or cycling ultras again, that was yeah. just too big. So he has today, my goal is to twist my arm 10 yeah. times. So he'd set himself just such small attainable goals that would just keep his mental health in check. Yes, I hit this goal today. What's tomorrow? 12 times. What's the day after? 14 times, whatever it might be, or to walk two meters. So you're almost setting like micro goals that are really, really yeah. achievable to give you that sort of dopamine hit, isn't it? It is. And it's also looking at that long goal. So his, like, his end goal was massive. Mm. Um, but creating an end goal where you're going to feel um, encouraged to take those smaller steps to get to it and knowing that you're in it for the long run, not the short run. Um, and what you've touched on too, um, Tom, um, thinking smarter rather than going out and going fast um, within your training. So um, I was similar with Marcus where I was like, well, I'd like to run this event that was just on on the weekend, but how am I going to get there? And a lot of it was just patience. You do have to be patient and you do have to just fix things slowly over time and take care of yourself. And, and to do that is um, I put more energy into going to the gym. I'm not, I don't love gyms, but I've learned to love it way more. Um, and that's kind of helped me feel stronger in a different way and raise my heart rate and things like that um but yeah it is those small steps that help you get get to that bigger end goal that definitely help your mental um space as well yeah it can seem quite daunting to think about all of that for yourself and that's i think why group and group exercise is so important and, and groups and communities form around exercise clubs what's a way zoe that we can recognize maybe a peer or um, you know, a friend needs some pushing towards maybe a little bit more thought about their well-being. Obviously I'm using the word push there. We don't want to ever push anyone um, into something, but like- Encourage. Yeah, encourage, encourage or, <laughs> or open the conversation up about it. Um, yeah, no one, no one wants to be told what to do when it comes down to their mental health, but sometimes people need a little bit of a, you know, hey, by the way, it looks like you're thinking or doing this and maybe this might help. How can we approach that? Mm, it is a hard one because people, everyone's different and the way that they deal um, with negative emotions is very different as well. So I suppose um, understanding the person that you're talking to is the first step because if you go into the conversation the wrong way, then they're not going to really want to listen to you again. <laughs> um, and I think it does come in the form of encouragement and also um, influence. So um, leading by doing really helps. Hey, I've seen um, that you're uh, lacking in, in X. Uh, these are some things that I do that help me. These are some things that Rob does to help him. These are some things that... Carmen does to help her and kind of show them a wide variety of things that they could do. And then they're going to, you know, like then you're leading the horse to water and they're going to choose with what one they want to take and what mm -hmm. one that's going to help them. 
um, that kind of takes away the telling and yeah, you're kind of trying to influence them without telling them what to do. Mm. Mm. So yeah, often the first, the hardest step is to identify actually that there's a problem initially, right? And then yeah, then it's taking the action. But if people can't identify that something's wrong, then it's very very hard. Yeah, agreed. It's it's one of those things that you kind of never really make a breakthrough until the person understands from themselves what they're actually mm-hmm. doing. It might be three years of on and off injuries before they realize, oh, I'm running too much because I'm running away from, you know, a bad situation at home or something in work. And once they fix that and they get the clarity on what they actually want to do within their running and why they do endurance exercise, then it can add a whole picture aspect to it rather than just I'm doing this because, you know, of whatever it is that that they're doing it for. And I think it comes back to that reflection as them as a person you don't want them to reflect as a client you don't want them to reflect as an athlete um or as a mum or as a son or whatever you want them to reflect as them as a person Mm. um so it's kind of sitting down and saying no actually how are you full stop like don't tell me about your training that's not what i'm asking i'm asking Mm. how you are and how i can help you in other areas of your life because if other areas of your life are feeling more balanced then your training's just going to step up from that and you're going to feel better in in that area and this is why well-being is so important especially for for runners endurance athletes is because if you are no matter if you're running whatever you know your biggest miles in a week or you're hitting paces more than ever if your well-being isn't good you won't be sleeping well you'll be in a constant state of, of stress. You might be in a, an underfueled state. And it's simply a point of not if, it's when you're going to break down. Because like you say, those four facets of well-being all need to be there for everything to grow at once. So it doesn't matter if you're running the best you ever have, if you're not recovering the best you've ever had at the same time. And they both need to, you need to raise the bar as a level bar, not raise one end and then the other end or drop one end and drop the other end. And I think that's such a key part to understand, like when you set big goals and training is going to increase, you're actually going to have to, if you can make more time for other areas of your life to benefit your well-being. It's not that all other areas of your life get shut away because you're no. just focusing on, on one. Mm. And, and it is hard when you identify as an athlete and you identify, I mean, we see it in Ironman so much is, you know, someone's training for an Ironman. Okay, I'm now an Ironman athlete. And yeah, how I am doesn't matter. It's how is my swim, bike and run? Yeah. You know? And especially now within COVID times, is the event happening? You know, this is my identity. I've told people I'm racing. And if it doesn't go ahead, I'm not who I'm saying I am. Yeah. And it can all have a big, big weighing effect on you. Yeah. It's a bit um, of imposter syndrome there, eh? Like that mm. people are feeling like they're not who they say they are or who they're yeah. showing they are to be. And this yeah. links this links back then to everybody's why. Why are they doing it? Are they doing it just for a race? Or are they doing it to enjoy the training process, the health benefits, make new friends? Or do they just want that finishers medal? Yeah. Yeah. And I think people do need to take that step back and look at their why and look at the meaning behind what they're doing um, and go, is this serving a bigger purpose than getting a medal at the end? I've actually stopped two people before who wanted to enter an Ironman. Yeah. I've actually said to them no, because 
your reason for doing it does not is not like matching up well yeah. with with your well-being for it so no relax you don't need to do that try something yeah. else or do something for yourself and that's one of the best things that's come out of the covid year that we we talk about time and time again is no races being on but people doing challenges for themselves yeah. not for anything else external and yeah we've lost clients through this year because races haven't been on and they've simply said i do this for the medal or i do this for the time and the races aren't on i'm out and that's cool like maybe they are still exercising maybe they're not maybe they found new groups that's fine but we've also had one of our best ever years because mm. i think we we do we do this well by leading by example but we encourage this community of do things because you want to do it not because you're going to get something out the back end of it mm, i was just going to say that and you said it for me so i mean you guys lead by example very well in that area um from what i've been watching from afar and yeah, I mean, if those people, all they want is that medal or that that one race, then one, they don't have perspective because they're not understanding what the world's going through right now. <laughs> and 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 two, then, yeah, they're just not really like thinking about their why enough. Mm. Um, and I think Ironman is really bad for that, to be honest. Yeah. Like, people just are like, I want to do an Ironman. And it's like, yeah, cool, why? Yeah. I mean, Ta for me, my, my why would be, yeah. <laughs> oh, the amount a tattoo of on the calf, obviously. <laughs> oh, I saw like five of them on the weekend, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> There's obviously like it is obviously a big thing here, and and um, Ironman went ahead mm. the full one this year in Topo um, in March, and is going the half the seventy point three is going ahead, and um, I think it's December started December this year, so there is a lot of talk and doing in regards to Ironman and Ironman training yeah. this year in New Zealand. Yeah, I think um, it's quite interesting that you bring that up too, because I did look at a report from New Zealand in regards to our lockdown that we had um, when COVID was kind of reaching its high levels um, and when New Zealand did kind of lock its borders and, and they did it, they were one of the first countries to do it. Um, and out of that, um, New Zealand mental health, I think, um, kind of put out a little, uh, put out a survey and they had some results from that. And a lot of people said that they really enjoyed being locked down because they had more time for hobbies and they had more time for exercise. Mm -hmm. um, but the main point from that was that they had more time to enjoy it with people. So I think that's a really big thing is, is going. That is interesting. That, that linking up to the why and the meaning of, of doing physical exercises that you're enjoying it and you're enjoying it with people. It's that social side of it, eh? Not just so. physical benefits. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it pulls back to what the one of the words you said at the start about your own training and how you felt was you, you're selfish during your training for Coast to Coast. Mm. And um, I think selfishness actually isn't such a negative word that people portray it to be i think if you no. have big goals of achieving times within races or achieving completion of races something like that then you need to be selfish um yep. you need to put other people sort of on the back burner for a little bit because you have a goal that's going to make you better at life and by being selfish you can actually give more out to others but during yep. time where there isn't races on during time where your goal is on pause it's a really good time to 
to be as giving as possible because your time is so important to other people because they have they are the same boat as you they haven't got things to aim towards so if the goal is to simply meet at, at 5 59 a.m and, and meet the same group and you're not letting them down that's as important as going out and doing your long run that week to take you towards your biggest goal that's going to happen maybe in a year's time or something like that and like yeah, you said exactly. perspective of what you're doing not just blindly following um what you think you should be doing so I think a good takeaway, Zoe, and you hope you agree, is, is to question yourself, you know, question yourself why. We always say, okay, what's your why? But some people don't ask themselves of their why. But maybe question yourself when something goes wrong that you weren't expecting, i.e. a race cancellation, or, you know, you go to swim in the pool and it's suddenly closed for some reason, or, you know, you suddenly wake up and you've got a tight calf. And how, question your reaction to those things. And if you're not reacting in a positive way, then something's not quite balanced within your well-being. Yeah. And you yeah, you want to flip those thoughts as well, um, like we were saying before. Um, I think on that note, lots of people like to go to a coach because they get told what to do. So they think that they don't need to think about their why or they don't need to um, react to a negative thought or um, a bad experience during training because their coach will tell them what's up. Mm. And I think for people listening, they probably, if they know that that's them, <laughs> they should probably just take a little step back and go, okay, why am I actually doing it? Because Tom and Rob and Steph and everyone else at Innerfight and whoever else is a coach for them isn't there to tell them what to think and what to do and how to do it. You're just there to guide them in being a better person. Um, but they need to make the decision to be a better person too. So we, we've actually, we've spoken about this quite a few times on the podcast. One of our favorite things is when a, a, a client or an athlete says, I missed the session because mentally I wasn't feeling up to it. So I did something else instead. And I feel fantastic as yeah. opposed to just blindly following the session that's written in training peaks. Yeah. Obviously, if they're, if they're doing it seven days a week, then there's something wrong. But, you know, the odd, yeah. the odd occasion is fantastic. And we love that. Yeah. Seven days a week, we want to look at mismanagement of time and... Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> and many other things. But um, many other things. yes, I think, I, I think sometimes you get home from work and you go, man, I'm tired. You sit down for 20 minutes watch something, look at something, read something, eat something, whatever. And then you get up and you're like, oh, actually I'm okay now. I just needed food or water or 20 minutes to sit mm. down and gather myself. Go and do your training still. If it's 20 minutes after you thought you were going to start, still go and do it. But, um, but then otherwise sit back and relax and, and enjoy your time off that you've decided to do because you've recognized that your mind or your body um, or even your social side of yourself doesn't feel like doing that today. And that's okay. It is. It is. Mm. I actually had a chat with my coach last night and um, we're planning in like every three weeks now, three days of, which she's just calling them Tom days. She's like, so every three weeks I'll put in three flexi days and you can just do whatever you like. And um, it's something that we've sort of not done before. I asked for it and it, it sort of wasn't implemented correctly because I, also wasn't quite sure of how to ask for it properly but now the 
you know, with this year and how it's been, it needs to be a focus of, okay, if I get to these three days and I'm, I'm absolutely cooked and I don't feel like doing anything, it's all cool to just go for a coffee ride and, or go for a run with mates yeah. or do nothing. Um, and you know, I three like days, three, three days in three weeks, isn't going to make any difference if no, you go definitely. easier, but if you do three days in three weeks that you're not ready for, it can blow the whole training plan apart. Yeah. You could get injured because you're mm. tired and fatigued already or because you're overwhelmed in other areas of your life. Yeah. So you're a bit more careless or yeah, all sorts of things. And, and really a coach cool. will love to hear you say that. Like there's nothing better for me anyway, as a coach, if someone comes to me with a schedule yeah. of what they want to do. And also within that schedule, they've planned in some rest, some holiday time, you know, mm. okay, this weekend, once a month, I'm going to be doing this. And you think, perfect. Cause then you can build everything towards that. It's the people that turn up and just go, here's my goal just plan and I'll do they're the mm. ones you have to watch a bit more careful because they won't yeah. take the rest when they need it but that's because they're expecting you to again tell them what to do and force feed them stuff yeah rather yeah. Than, I mean if they've got a goal they should be trying to take their own steps towards that goal as well though you don't just take the one step and get the coach you um keep working on it eh? and we're forever changing reflecting bodies we don't we're just we're not stagnant um, and, and as humans, we're very flexible and very adaptable. So you just need to like, remember that, that you can change things around and you can change your thoughts and you can change your ideas on things. And it's real normal and encouraged. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Zoe, if people want to know a little bit more or choose some, like read some things that, that you would recommend or use some resources, where can they go? What can they do? Um, Mindset by Carol. What's her last name? yep that's the one that one's a great one to start at because that's everything that we've been talking about in regards to um thoughts and changing your um thought processes from negative to positive it also touches on a lot of your meaning and your why um and people um dare i say it people who class themselves in, as non-athletes even though they are and athletes all benefit from this someone who hasn't even gone for a walk in a year will benefit from reading that book um anything to do with uh, martin seligman he is the godfather of positive psychology um a lot of what i've said um in this chat ref is reflective of the things that he um has studied within his 60 50 to 60 years of research and in, into mental dis, uh, mental health um, illnesses as well as um, positive psychology so he's a really good one to look at He'll what's his surname again Seligman Martin Seligman S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N I just put yeah. this in the show notes for people if you want to go and um, look these up they're in the show notes cool um, he's fantastic um someone who's more uh, looks at all of this sort of stuff within professional environments would be Simon Sinek. Mm. Um, he's fantastic with everything he shares um, to do with um, professional settings. Um, Angela Duckworth. She um, has a lot of information out there on, on resilience and grit and um, other characteristics of your personality or of your character that you can adapt and change 
Um, what else do I love? Oh, the one that I've, I'm actually frothing over at the moment is um, Ross, Ross Edgeley, His Art of Resilience. Yeah, Holy that's a moly. great book. Yeah, be prepared. Great book. Be prepared for a bit of gruesome uh, descriptions in there. Pretty well, much. I have one problem with it though. He calls Welsh cakes potato cakes, and they're, oh. they're not called that. And it's <laughs> frankly, it's uh, it's just not. I did on. wonder. I did it wonder his what favorite thing, and he's got the name cake. wrong. <laughs> I did wonder what potato cakes were when he mentioned them. I was like, oh, that sounds a bit weird. Welsh, Welsh cakes. cakes. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, but he's his book is great, and it does talk a lot about your kind of mental fortitude. Yeah, yeah, that is a great book. There's probably lots of others um, that you can look into, but they're some of my favourite people at the moment. Yeah, there is a ton, a ton of stuff out there, but uh, all those authors you mentioned, well, I know, yeah, three of them. I don't I haven't read uh, Carol or uh, Martin's stuff, but definitely mm. we'll have a look at what they've done. And um, yeah, a lot of them kind of make it simplify it. It is all about answering your own questions and not leaving them out to dry and leaving them to run circles in your mind of, uh, of negative mindsets. You should be able to answer every question with a positive answer. And imagine your best friend was telling you, you know, what you're telling yourself, how would you speak? back to them because I think most of the time we speak to ourselves not as our own best friends we speak to ourselves as our own biggest enemy or critic and how um yeah best friends even um people like mothers if there's positive relationships there um yeah what what would they say about you and your character because mm. it does come down to your character and um how you can work on that and improve it and we can always be better we're we're never good enough. You know, we can always improve Yeah. and be people. Mm. Awesome. Zoe, thank you very much. Go back out into the cold, remind yourself how much you don't <laughs> like it and then move back to the UAE if you wouldn't mind. Oh, I do miss you. I do miss you guys. So yes, I would love to just get a fly over. <laughs> someone, someone make a, what do you call it? A transporter. Time machine. Time machine. <laughs> That's the one. I am a classic. Uh, I've seen Harry Potter. Just go run at a fireplace. <laughs> yes. I don't have a fireplace here, which is a bummer because... That's the problem. I should, you should probably add in for legal reasons for anyone listening. Do not run into a fireplace, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you can send me a time machine if you have one. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so can, can people reach out to you? What's your... Your yeah. Instagram's changed. We're no longer barefoot Kiwi these Kiwi. days, are we? <laughs> not me anymore. I'm not barefoot. I've got shoes on. Uh, um, no, you can go uh, zoe.vanportucker. So you might want to type that in. <laughs> yeah, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yep, there's, I've got my email on there as well if people would rather email than um, chat on Instagram. But I'm always open for chats and discussions and tips and everything like that. So come at me. You are on there as a well-being advocate. Mm. that's awesome there you go um awesome zoe thank you very much and i hope yes, well, we'll de definitely get you back on soon cool. um maybe thank you for having me once we're into the show of 100s yeah you're getting there what are we 81 yeah. 81 you're 81 
And yeah, if you've not heard of, uh, if you've not listened to Zoe's first show with us about doing the uh, infamous multi-sport event called Coast to Coast over in New Zealand, that is show 22. So take yourself back, listen to that because that I remember recording that. It was a great show on just how you took on one hell of a challenge and mm, dealt yeah. with dealt with everything from learning how to fuel on the bike to you know doing the long rides to the event itself throwing a few curveballs at you and it's a great great listen for anyone who is going into something brand new to them or or even a reminder of people who have been training for a long time what it's like for to do something that's that's brand new to you mm. awesome thank you very much zoe go have a nice well it's evening time for you now is it yep dinner should be ready oh there we go dinner time and sleep <laughs> nice thank you so much for having me guys thank you for coming cheers bye Zo. what a great show i actually love sometimes changing gears on this podcast and and bringing people back to what's truly important in uh in life which is obviously mindset well-being health all the things that we mentioned there um mate you're obviously heidi works within a well-being setting as well you're probably exposed to it day every day um i probably am as well within clients but big picture wise it it really is good sometimes to step back and just look at actually how well are you um and get some clarity in that definitely i think once you recognize yourself how you change emotionally with in different settings like like you say when your training ramps up or when you're injured if you can identify the triggers that if you like affect your mental health and well-being, then you're on a good place to keeping yourself uh, in a healthy state, if you like. And if something's too much, you ease off on it and put, as Zoe said, keep your cups all aligned and make sure you're filling them up in the right place. I love that. The image of just, yeah, certain cups being, and if your cup's being left to the side and it's collecting dust, then, you know, it's definitely one that needs to go Time to be fill. filled up. Means we're probably due a few pints, aren't we, Tom? A couple of pints, <laughs> yeah. Mate, we're doing Into the Darkness this weekend. We are. Clients doing it the following week, but we've actually yeah. had one of our UK clients or, or Ireland clients, should I say. Europe. I think that's Europe, mate. We have to call them the Europe client. European. 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 Um, he's done something pretty special that just finished this morning. It and you're going to give us some stats. So he was running. He started running on Saturday. And he finished running this morning and we are recording on a Tuesday. Um, he ran, it was the, I can't, I don't know where it was, but it was the backyard ultra and he won the backyard ultra with a staggering 63 hours, 63 hours. Just, just think about that. Yeah. A, to a total distance of 427 kilometers. It is non-stop absolutely absolutely incredible. Incredible. yeah keith russell is his name he's actually done a few podcasts with marcus hasn't he i think so we might yeah. have to steal him for the show i think so yeah i think so amazing wow. mate we've got uh the next three weeks lined up we actually we, we you you secured the guest that we were after last week i did um ready for next week that's going to be sana duthy who set yes. the the latest record for the Pembrokeshire Coast Path, FKT. Um, and then you are doing a how to train on the trails in summer mm -hmm. with our adventure yeah. coach, Ivana. 
Yes, because we figured lots of people may not be able to travel. They'll still want to get out and run. They'll probably still want to get out and hit the trails to get out of the city. So how do you cope with 45 to 50 degree heats on the trails is the question that was asked to us. So we've put a podcast together for it. Toolbox admin is number one, I believe. <laughs> Just strap it to your back and run. <laughs> Mate, we're, next week we'll be debriefing ITD and getting ready mm. for client ITD. Look forward to hearing how that unfolds. And uh, yeah, in the meantime, I hope everyone has a great week. Yep. And really take a step back. Look at yourself. Think about those cups or buckets or whatever you want to look at the circle of life. However you want to do it, there's no right or wrong way. And if you really, really want an insight into how you are, ask someone who's really close to you. To, to just give you some honest words about what you're spending your time doing and, and how it makes maybe them feel or how they see that you're acting. And uh, now is the best time to do it with, with races being unsure and travel and things. You have this moment of time where you can really level up yourself and get ready for when stuff does go back to normal and we feel like we have no time. Um, if you look after yourself right now, you're gonna be in the best possible position to win when you're ready to really work hard in the future. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yes. That's it. We'll be back next week with Sana Duthie and an ITD report. Look forward to speaking to you then. Awesome.